This is the Average to Savage podcast with Paul Garino. Everyone and anyone, athletes, celebs, and much more. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Average Savage podcast. Our special guest today is Chase Darno. Chase, how's it going? It's going well, man. Thanks for having me. I, I, I like your stuff. When you, when you first asked me, I, I went ahead and did my due diligence to see what other videos and podcasts you've done. I, I really like the feel of it, the the substance. What you guys talk about, I think, is beneficial. So yeah. happy to be here. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I love when uh, people actually go and look instead of just saying yes <laughs> or no. <laughs> Yeah, you got to look. You got to look because you you don't want to be a – yeah, you got to be careful. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. You don't want to be on any uh, crazy podcast. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So uh, going back in time a little bit, how did you get involved uh, playing baseball? How did it all start for me? Yeah. Gosh, you know, I – well, my mom and my dad. Of course, uh, my, my dad, so my dad had two boys and as soon as he had two sons, me and Travis and Travis still plays baseball as well. So he, he wanted to coach us in little league. So it was his dream to coach us. And, uh, so that's, that's why he got us into baseball to begin with. And he had us hitting off the tee at like three years old. There are videos of us playing baseball in that moment. Uh, and on, I just had a bat in my hands and continued playing year after year after year things kind of change when you start playing professionally mm-hmm. once it's everything that you do. And once you start making money playing this game that you were playing for the fun competition of it, 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 it changes a little bit on a professional level. Yeah, for sure. And um, like growing up, did you play any other sports? I, I did recreationally, mm-hmm. but nothing, no, not, no other leagues. Like I played football with my friends at the park. Yeah. I went and played basketball during recess growing up. Like I, you know, I played everything, but the only organized sport that I played was baseball. Gotcha. Yeah. Going into your high school career. Um, I know you got drafted out of high school, but you chose to attend college. So what, what was that decision like? Mm, I'm, I'm glad I, well, first of all, I'm glad that I went to college mm-hmm. uh, because now, now that I'm done, like, this is my first year not playing. Um, I'm really glad that I have those three years under my belt and that I have a year left. If I had four years ahead of me, it's still like daunting at 33 years old. Yeah. You know, like, oh shit, four, four years left of school. But it also prepared me for what light ahead um, in pro ball you're really responsible for yourself during the off seasons. Like sure. Teams give you a packet of things they want you to do, but it's on you to get it all done. And at Pepperdine, they worked the crap out of us. Like they had us up at 5 a.m. working out. Um, it was a very disciplined program when Steve Rodriguez, who's now the head coach at Baylor, uh, was our head coach at Pepperdine. But he did a great job of, of preparing me for life in pro ball because he was a pro baseball player himself. But another, uh, yeah, my mind also developed in college. You know, you're around some some people that are there to get an education and sure you, you have fun in college as well. And it's nice to experience that at the appropriate age, but it, I matured a lot. There's so many benefits to going to college that you can't get if you dive straight into pro ball. And there are also some benefits of, of signing out of high school too, if it's right for you, you know, school's not for everybody. Um, and, and if it isn't, I don't, I don't think you should force yourself to go, but I, I really wanted to go to, to Pepperdine and I'm, I'm glad I did. Yeah, then going back um, to high school and, like, your recruiting process, what, what was your recruiting process like? In high school, mm-hmm. July 1st, I believe, was the day that schools could legally call you. Um, 
I'll never forget that day because I got way more calls than I thought I was going to get. A couple of weeks leading up to that point, I played in the area code game tryout, um, made the team. And then a couple of days later, July 1st came around and that's when I got all those calls. And I, Louisiana, I, I had schools in California and outside of California, top baseball programs, leaving me messages. And it was, it was an eye opening day for me that helped me realize um, the opportunities that were in front of me. Like you really don't know how how good you are, right? Mm-hmm. At that age, like you, you know, you make the all star teams and uh, you keep climbing the ranks in baseball. But when it starts paying for your education and and your your lifestyle, uh, that's that's when it becomes a little more real um, as it, you get closer to creating a career out of it. Um, but the, the process in itself from that point on, I went on a trip to Pepperdine to, to visit the coach and the program, the players, and got to know them. And that, that helped me out a lot to get a feel for the program, what they're all about, how hungry the players are, what the culture is like. like that's one of the most important things uh, on any team is the culture. In hindsight, that's what really helped me make the decision to go to Pepperdine. Like I went to I uh, went to USC UCLA. Um, gosh, I don't think I went to Cal Poly slow, but uh, I, I stuck to schools in the area and, and I went on several trips. And I like the culture the best at Pepperdine. Uh, so because I like that culture so much and I trusted the coach, uh, which is huge too, I, I I decided to go there. When I say trust in the coach, uh, all the time, coaches are going to tell you that you're going to play. They want to make you feel like you're the guy so that you're going to sign and go to that school. But in reality, things happen and, and people change their minds. Mm-hmm. You know, nowadays, the recruiting process has changed quite a bit from what I understand. I know that there are eighth graders committing to go to colleges. And then you have some players that are committed at that age that don't take the commitment that seriously. And then you have colleges that don't take it that seriously either because I've heard of some stories about scholarships getting taken away. Yeah. before the kid's even eligible, but they've been committed for four years. And because things didn't pan out, the college doesn't legally have to uh, invite them to play baseball there. It just, it's, it's kind of weird. Um, I guess I just don't understand it fully, yeah. but I'd like to know more about it. Yeah. It's definitely a gray area, I guess you'd say. Uh, yeah. I think it's kind of weird. I think there should probably be something where you, I'd say not until at least high school, you can offer them a scholarship. Um, what, what was that like? Um, I mean, I know, yeah, so it's obviously different now. So I know how you were saying, like, you didn't think you were going to get that many calls, but I feel like if it was now with like the social media stuff, like you probably would have knew like almost more because your highlights would have been like on YouTube and everywhere and blasted everywhere, you know? Yeah, I guess I would have, yeah, I would have known sooner and I would have gone through the process and had to dig into colleges even sooner. Pepperdine was a school I didn't hear about until um, later in high school. Mm-hmm. But now as an eighth grader, you're already being approached. Well, I guess, what, do you know what the rules are? Are they allowed, are, are coaches allowed to call players or text them? Like, how do they reach out to them? How do they, <laughs> I, how, do they how do you talk to an eighth grader? I have no idea. Well, you definitely have to talk to their parents because they're under 18, I believe. So, mm-hmm. or 16. Yeah, I'm not really sure. That's, I mean, that's the other thing. Like, I'm curious about learning, like, how do these agents reach out to these? I mean, in most of the cases, I've been seeing like a lot of basketball, like younger basketball players getting a lot of recognition lately. And it's like, how are they reaching out to them? Like, they're obviously, I feel like everyone has to do something a little illegal to get the player. 
Yeah, I think a lot of that happens. I mean, I've talked to a lot of coaches, and it seems like the rules are, are bent yeah. all the time. I mean, I'm, I'm not a college coach, so I'm, I'm going to say what I want. And I I feel like it's wrong. Yeah. I, I don't think kids should be subjected to that that early. I feel like committing, having a player commit to you verbally in the eighth grade is irresponsible. Yeah, definitely. You know, it does things to them. It makes them, I think it changes things in their lives when people around them know they're committed to go here. And then, like, what if things change and circumstances change? Like, things happen all the time. What if the player gets hurt? Mm-hmm. What if he realized, what if he falls in love with chemistry and the school they committed to has nothing to do with chemistry? Like, I don't think there's any reason to commit that early. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you have that option and you're in the eighth grade or a freshman in high school, I don't, I, if you're that good, teams are still going to want you when you're a sophomore in high school too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm saying with the social media age, it's like, it got, it's crazy. I know it's crazier. I just don't know because I'm not that age or played that sport, you know? <laughs> Like it must be like I don't yeah like they I'm assuming coaches or like boosters or something have to like be like literally DMing these kids too something like that yeah. I, I kind of want to dig into it now <laughs> I mean I don't know I mean I guess we could ask a player maybe that just graduated or just finished college maybe I don't know if they get uh-huh. the dirt yet though <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> and then what what was that like getting drafted while you were in uh, high school. Getting drafted out of high school. Yeah, I, I, I did get drafted out of high school. I guess I forget about that sometimes. The Dodgers drafted <laughs> me in the the Dodgers drafted me in the forty third round. Um, I, I was one of those guys that like, I, I had that scholarship to Pepperdine in place, and I really wanted to go. So I told teams that I wanted a million dollars, or I wasn't going to sign. Uh, the Rays called several times leading up to the draft, asking me if I'd sign in the third round for. Uh, about five hundred thousand dollars and i stuck to my guns i i didn't i stuck to it it's appetizing but i knew how important school was to me and my family and my mom's a teacher and she wanted us to to have a good education so uh, i took that very seriously and, and ended up passing on and telling them that i wasn't going to sign for anything less than what i had originally said uh, then the dodgers ended up drafting me even though they knew the same thing they came over to my house uh, and just wanted to establish a relationship and came over. There was no offer. They came over and, and told me that they really respected how good of a ball player I was. And, and maybe they wanted to take a last minute stab. I don't know, but it was interesting having them come through knowing that, knowing that I wasn't going to sign for anything less than what I had yeah. said. Does yeah. it make sense? It's kind yeah. of strange. It's, it's, it's a pretty, interesting situation to be in. It's pretty because interesting. Like, okay, I got drafted in the 43rd round. Uh, I, I, th- that's not what I was expecting. Yeah. But it, it was great. I ended up ended up leaving, and then I'm going to Pepperdine. And then three years later, I got drafted by the Pirates in the fourth round, which is one round later than uh, I would have signed in if I had taken the, the, the raise up on their offer in the third round. And uh, I, I'm, I'm happy about how things went. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the other thing too. I think they're, I think they changed it that they're lowering the lowering the rounds so that they're not having fifty rounds anymore. If I read, I'm pretty sure I read it somewhere. I guess that makes sense considering yeah. that they're trying to do away with minor league teams. They're not going to need as many players from draft. Yeah, and then going back uh, to Pepperdine, what, what was your experience like there? My experience at Pepperdine was wonderful. I, I it was a. 
it was a great program. Strong baseball, ocean view. Uh, it was it was great, man. I got to I got to experience college baseball. Yeah. College baseball and pro baseball are are quite different. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you used the metal bat in college, right? Yeah, there's the ting. <laughs> ting. Yeah, we, the bats then were better than they are now. Yeah. I fit with a metal bat now, and, and quite frankly, I feel like my wood bat, I feel like the ball goes better off of my wood bat than the metal bats nowadays. Might as well just have them swing wood. Yeah, that's yeah. I don't get why they haven't changed that yet either. Yeah, change it. Do away with it. Let let them let pitchers get that gratification of breaking a wood bat. There's nothing wrong with that. And I don't understand from a, a monetary standpoint. I, I haven't thought about that, how it's going to affect the industry if you got rid of metal bats. But I, I guess it's you would want to limit the use of wood because wood takes wood and we're mm-hmm. destroying trees to make bats. Do you think I'm sure metal. using the wood bats would help scouts like evaluate players better? Oh, yeah. It'd be much more accurate. Much more accurate. I mean, that's yeah. why a lot of talent flocks to the Cape Cod League. Mm-hmm during the summer, right? And it's great for scouts to go there and see how's this player perform with a wood bat. And some of these guys that don't do that well in college go to the Cape Cod League and rake. <laughs> and then they end up signing in the first or second round because of their great performance in Cape Cod. The Cape Cod is somewhere where you could put yourself on the map. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I also saw you play in the Alaska Baseball League. What, what was, what was uh, living and playing in Alaska like? It was, it was never dark. <laughs> it was daylight 24-7. We had to have blackout sheets. I was in a room with three other guys. So there were four of us in one room. And that you get really close to guys then. But uh, we even had a game during the summer. Uh, on the 4th of July, we had a game that started at 9 o'clock because they wanted it to get as dark as possible for fireworks, right? And then after the game, the fireworks go off, and we still couldn't see them in the air because it was too bright. <laughs> <laughs> There's wild moose everywhere. The competition's really good. I think the competition's the best, at least when I played in college, which was in 2006, 7, and 8. Uh, the, the competition was the best in the Cape, and then behind the Cape was the Alaska League. So I went there after my freshman year. Then after my sophomore year, I went and played at the Cape. And uh, the competition was more intense there, that's for sure. Oh yeah, I was gonna say, what, what was that like, and what are who are some players that you played against there? Can you remember? Oh man, all of okay. Uh, I played against and, and with like Dennis Rabin, uh, you know Buster Posey, Brandon Crawford. Oh, actually, Brandon Crawford played Team USA that year instead, but Buster was on that team. Uh, Gordon Beckham yeah. and Buster were on the same team. Um, a guy named Ochenko, Van Hansen. There, there are a lot of players that. Uh, that don't play anymore mm-hmm. when I were there. I'm, I'm trying to think of guys right now that were in that league. But if you were to actually look up that year, going into 2008 season, there are some dudes that were in that league, and and it's like that every single year. I had a tough time against the pitching. I thought the pitching was the pitching was better than what you see on a daily basis in college baseball, and the lighting is not as good, and no, neither are the umpires. Um, so it's, it makes it it's interesting I think it's a, a pitcher it, I think that league favors the pitcher yeah that's that's my opinion I mean when you have pitchers with that good of stuff I can only imagine how good the pitchers are now yeah just years later yeah it's, that's actually funny that you said uh, Gordon Beckham because actually I saw a picture when it was spring training like last week when whenever play was in session I didn't even know he was still playing yeah 
He's still doing it. He and I got to play together with the Braves. That's dope. I um, love Gordon. Yeah, so then, so then going into the minors, I know you had a crazy journey, which you also had the journeyman series. Would you start 2018 or 19? 2019, the journeyman season, journeyman series started. Gotcha. And why'd you start that? You know, I, I really got into videography and, and, and editing in 2016 while I was in the band, mm-hmm. while I was playing with the Braves. And uh, I, I wanted to create something because I knew that when I was done playing that I wanted to get into this. Uh, I wanted to get into this field. I wanted to, to get into being, I wanted to be a storyteller. I needed some body of work to get things started to show what I was capable of. So I took the 2019 season, started documenting and releasing episodes to show what it was like to be a baseball player that was not a superstar. And I'm a guy that's played for eight different organizations. I've been up and down in the minor leagues every single year. And what I experience is more common than I think than being a guy that signs for you know 10 million bucks or has a hundred million dollar contract. Like that's the stuff that you hear about on a day-to-day basis. But what's life like for the guys that claw their way to the big leagues every single year? I've never been at spring training with a solidified job. I have to, to earn it. I got to rake. I got to do what I got to do to make a big league team. And more often than not, I would start the year in AAA and then get called up either the first month or the third month of a season. There's some guys that are in the minor leagues for 10 years and then end up retiring they don't reach their goal. They don't achieve what they wanted to. And, and that's the tough pill to swallow when you put that much time into something, right? Yeah. It's kind of tough now with what these guys are going through. Like I feel bad for them. I think that there's going to be a lot of guys in the minor leagues. that are going to have to retire earlier than they want to because they don't make enough money. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I remember seeing too. Um, I don't know whatever happened to it. There was like a lawsuit cause it was like, when you average it all out, it wasn't even like minimum wage for in the minors. Uh, but I don't know what the decision was. I'm assuming nothing happened or it's still ongoing. And yeah, no, like that's exactly why I wanted to have you on too, just because you said exactly like what I was thinking, like you're probably more of a person than what you actually see in the media. Like there's more of you than like you just said, like the $10 million guys. Yeah. They're a lot. They're yeah. Well, yeah. And that's normal. That's normal because there's a pyramid, right? And, and the guys that, that deserve, I, I think those guys deserve that money. Like they've been able to sustain success long yeah. enough at the highest level in the game to prove that they deserve it. Like, no, like Mike Trout is indisputably an amazing baseball player. <laughs> and most of the guys that have you know, million-dollar contracts or more are amazing as well. It's, all, it's, it's deserved. I'm not taking away from what they have. And I'm, I'm happy for them that they've gotten there. But that's just not what most people experience in professional baseball. Yeah. But like what kept you going throughout all the years? Like always just getting called up, called down. Like what made you keep on going? Like what was your motivation? The big leagues. <laughs> Everybody wants to be in the big leagues. If you play baseball and you're not in the big leagues, that's where you want to be. I don't know anybody that says, I really want to be in AAA. I really <laughs> want to be in the minor leagues. The goal is to be in the big leagues. And that's where I wanted to be, and that's where I always wanted to be. And even now, retired, it's still where I want to be. Retirement's a tough pill to swallow, too. It's that dream that you have when you're a kid of seeing these guys play on TV, kicking butt, 
changing kids' lives because as a baseball player, when you're wearing a uniform with team on the front, your name on the back with a number below that, and you give a kid a high five, you're making his week. And then he's going to go home and tell all of his buddies about what happened. You're just going to elevate his day. That's one of the best things about being a ball player is how positively you can impact other people's lives. How do you, how do you think you became so like self-aware about that? Just by seeing the look on people's faces. Yeah. You know, I, nothing changed about me. I, I was still playing the game that I love, the same game that I was playing as a kid. But the interaction changed with baseball fans when fans would come up to me and a parent would be like, hi, please say hi to my kid. And I was and like, how happy it, he was becoming. Like, I was getting excited. And it was, I was loving writing people's days by just doing what I was normally doing by playing baseball. It, it's so, I'm just going to miss that, man. Yeah. I'm going to miss being able to give a kid a high five and brighten his day. Like I can still do that now, but now I, I focusing on the media and all of this stuff that I'm creating and all the content so that people could still get that gratification and, and see their favorite players, see what they're doing, like what makes them tick, what motivates them? What are their dreams? What are they focusing on right now? I like media and content because you can reach so many people. Yeah. That just gave me a good idea. Maybe like if you, almost you did like quick interviews with like little kids or, or maybe like older kids and their experience, like meeting MLB player or any kind of player. Hey, you see that, that content always does really well. You see You talk to a big leaguer. They love it. And what what about, what, what was your first MLB game like? I uh, I got the advice. Somebody gave me the advice to keep your eyes on the field. Meaning, I got called up. Uh, I was with the Pirates. My first game was at PNC Park in Pittsburgh, and it was against the Boston Red Sox. And these are the this is the Boston Red Sox team where they had like Ellsbury leading off, and then Euclid second, Manny third. Uh, but, but you know, all those dudes, David Ortiz, Pedroia, it was, I was playing against this team that I loved watching play baseball, except only this time because I, it was just, I was playing the game that I always loved playing, but against these dudes that I always looked up to. That was an amazing experience. Um, I think that I was able to do well that game and feel normal because I kept my eyes down. I did really look up into the stands. I didn't look up at everything. I wanted it to feel like it was another game. I wanted to feel just as comfortable and confident as I did uh, the, the day before when I was in AAA. So when I was on the field, I kept myself from, from looking up and I was going through my same routine only at third base this time when I looked up to see who was about to hit the ball. It was Manny Ramirez, David Ortiz, Dustin Pedroia, Euclid. Uh, it, it, it was exciting, man. It's a dream come true. And you got, yeah, you got your first hit in that game, right? I did. It was a, a triple left field off of John Lester. That's a good name. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> done pretty well for himself. Give me a cutter up and in, and I hit it to left field. And uh, I hit off the bat, and I thought, that has a chance, right? Because, yeah, mm-hmm. left field is close up to the foul pole, and the field creeps in a little bit. I was hustling around the bases. No, Manny Ramirez was, was picking up the ball. As I was running second base, and I thought, man, I can get third right here. Because normally you don't see a, a guy hit a ball in left field and get a triple out of it. But I, I think he was having trouble coming up with the ball. So I just kept on going, slid in, and was just taking it in, man. It was a, it was the kind of experience that you only dream of having. There's so, so many different feelings coming all at once. But I, I just felt 
I felt really good to to come through for the team at that moment in time. Did you get you get to keep the ball or you got it? I did. Yep. Got to keep the ball, was authenticated and gave it to my dad. Oh, that's dope. So yeah, taking me through your career too, I know like you said you played for how many teams? You played for well, you're in the MLB with six different teams, but you said you played for eight, right? Yeah, played for eight organizations and played in the MLB with six different teams. That's crazy. So what? What? Yeah, what was it like? Just um, even just like from a moving standpoint, when you're just like going up and down from the minors to the majors, and you're moving all these places. Like, how did you deal with that? Um, the first couple times was a little tough because it's so different. Mm-hmm. The lifestyle is way different. I mean, in the in the, in the big leagues. You're one making more money. Um, you're staying in nicer hotels, like five star hotels, and then and the travel is nice because everything's chartered. So as soon as the game ends, you're getting on a plane right away and flying and, and getting a decent night's rest. In the minor leagues, the pay is far less. The hotels are not as nice, and uh, you're flying commercial flights at six a.m. in the morning. So when you finish a game at 10 30 or 11 or god forbid you go extra innings and then have to travel the next day you're gonna be getting two to two to five hours of rest before catching the first flight out the next morning and that makes things a little tougher but what really stands out is just the fact that you're not there and it's really really easy for somebody to feel sorry for themselves that they're not in the big leagues where they just were and once i realized that i was feeling sorry for myself a little bit the first time I got sent down, um, that helped me get back on track. Because when you're feeling sorry for yourself and, and bitterness, it's it's going to lead to a downward spiral, and that's going to be tough to come back from. I think that the last thing you want to do is feel sorry for yourself. You want to take accountability and know that the position that you're in, you got yourself there. And the only person that could get you out is yourself. So can't feel sorry for yourself. Just look at your hands, build on those calluses, and just get better. And, and that hunger, I had to I had to get that hunger again, that hunger that I had before I got called up. Mm-hmm. I had to I had to find that same hunger post getting called up. So every time I was in AAA, after I got sent down for the first time, I, I learned to stay hungry. Whether I was like 27, 28, 30 years old, with my fourth, fifth team, whatever it is, I stayed hungry regardless of the situation. And then what was your ultimate decision to retire this year? Oh, there's a lot that went into it. A big part of it is uh, like I, I didn't think that the opportunity was going to be there like it was in the past. Uh, previous years, I, I'd done rather well and finished strong or had a good season that would lead to opportunities for the following year. But last year, I had a really bad season. The game's getting younger and younger and younger. Um, and I saw an opportunity to get started in, in media. I started the Darno Media Group, LLC, early 2019, and I built up a clientele. So I, I built up a business where I could have a stream of income. And so it was an option for me. I started training after the 2019 season. And two weeks into that training, I had a conversation with my agent, Joel Wolf. And we were talking about where my career was at, and I told him what I was up to. And, and he was telling me that we just had a very real conversation that you know, the opportunities aren't going to be as strong as they once were. And ultimately, if if I really wanted to succeed and do well in, in media, cinematography, and filmmaking, 
the only way you could really succeed in something is to dive in with both feet. And so two weeks in the training, I, I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do this. I've had a great career, I've had great experiences, and I think that I'm going to be able to touch people's lives still and create impactful content beyond my playing days through this. And my wife was supportive of that, my family. So here I am now grabbing content with players, trying to make it as impactful and meaningful as possible and showing people what it's really like to be a ball player. I want to cover aspects of the game that I want to cover aspects of the game differently than other people have. And I think that my edge is my experience. The fact that I played pro ball for 12 years, that I've been with eight different organizations, that all the adversity that I face going up and down consistently from the big leagues, minor leagues, my whole network of players that are still playing and want to be a part of what I make, it makes me stronger. It's not just me, it's everybody. And so where I am now, I'm not playing and I'm, I'm content filmmaking, but at the same time, there's another part of me that, that really misses playing. It's, I miss I miss the clubhouse atmosphere more than anything else. Yeah, I feel, yeah, I feel like that's what everybody pretty much always says. They say they, they miss the atmosphere of just being around their teammates and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I saw yeah. I saw too that uh, you said you're going to make yourself available to play for the Philippines for the 2021 World Baseball Classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to. I, I had to pull out. Just because of what was going on with the coronavirus, yeah. you know, with, with little ones now, I, I have two children. I have elderly. Uh, I feel really bad. I felt really bad having to pull out of that. But then two days later, after I pulled out, uh, they ended up canceling the canceling it. Yeah. But uh, it was it would have been wonderful. I know that the the Philippines is they're they're trying to make a push to make baseball more popular. Mm-hmm. I really want them to to do that. I mean. They've had Filipino baseball players playing the major leagues for a while now, but I don't think that the, the Philippines hasn't capitalized on those players to, to try to help them raise awareness of baseball in the Philippines. But now they really want to, and they reached out, asked me to play, and that one of their initiatives was to um, create a, a facility in the Philippines where people can go and learn to play baseball. Kind of like how they have the Compton Academy in L.A. Mm-hmm. They want to make the same thing in the Philippines. So that's the, that's the goal that they have. And I'd like to help them achieve that, even though I'm not going to be able to play mm-hmm. for the Philippine team. Yeah, that, yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, some cool content if you go over there, teach kids mm-hmm. how to play. Um, yeah, what what is it? What's it like to have um, a sibling also in MLB? And like, what, what's that like for your family? Oh, it's amazing getting to grow up with somebody else who loves the game as much as you and wants to play it all the time. I think the two of us push each other to be better all throughout our lives. Like, was there a sibling rivalry? Perhaps a, a small one growing up, but we always want each other to do well, and, and we wanted to outdo one another. But then when pro ball came around and and, uh, and money was involved, and we squashed all that and put that aside and wanted to do as, as well as we could for, for the family. But uh, it's, it's beautiful, man, being able to, Look at him in the eyes during a big league game when he's behind the plate wearing his catcher's mask and getting ready to play a big league game is is really special. And it's something that not many siblings get to experience. Yeah, did you, did you guys get to play versus each other? Several times. Well, I got drafted in 2008. He got drafted out of high school in 2007 by the Phillies. And the very first league that I ever played in was the 
not the Sally League, the New York Penn League. And Travis's team happened to be 45 minutes from where I was. I played in State College, Pennsylvania for the, uh, for the State College Spikes, which is the short season team for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And Travis was with, uh, gosh, I can't think of the name right now, but they were, they were the cross cutters. And that was the short season team for Philadelphia. And our dad would come. Our dad was ecstatic. He would travel all the time to come and watch us play. It was it was really funny how baseball took us all the way to Pennsylvania. And just to be 45 minutes away from each other in 2008. That's comical. Uh, what, what advice would you give to uh, a young baseball player or a young athlete? What advice would I give to a young athlete? Advice I would give to a young athlete is to um, I think you had to choose your role models and your your friends carefully. Know who you want to be and what you want to become, and make sure that you're choosing your role models and the people that you're hanging around based on on people that have the same goal or have done it. That's what I got. If if I were to sum that up, and, and nowadays it's, it's so easy nowadays to just hang out with people that you don't realize are bad for you that might be slowing you down or taking you further away from achieving your goals. Um, so it's, it's important when you join a new team, I think every, every baseball player can relate to this. Like every single year you're with a new squad, um, unless you're in travel ball, of course, but um, you want to get to know your teammates and be friends with everybody. But when it comes to hanging out off of the field, you want to make sure you're doing it with guys that are going to affect you uh, positively and, that will encourage you and motivate you are just as hungry as you are to, to get to that next level or, or to be the best you can be. Otherwise you're going to be focused on other things that aren't productive. Yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. And uh, are you ready for some fun questions? They're going to go from average to savage. <laughs> average to savage. Okay. Uh, what's your, what's your favorite song right now? Gosh, I don't even know what my favorite song is right now. Um, I've been listening to a bunch of copyright-free songs that are not <laughs> popular because that I use for editing. Um, my, my favorite song right now. Can I look it up real quick? Hey, go for it. Okay, because I, I, I have this. Um, I like this a song called Butterfly Effect by DJ Snake. I've had it on repeat for whatever reason. <laughs> I could just edit for hours listening to that song over and over and over again. It's like a wave of energy. That's crazy. And what about what? What's your favorite city that you visited throughout your baseball career? Or maybe, maybe I know you got a lot. Maybe we'll do top three. Top three cities that I've been. Okay, New New York. It has energy that's unmatchable. Um. Let's see. Another place that I really liked, uh, San Diego. I, I, if, I, I guess I'd, I'd been there already. Like playing in San Diego is amazing. Like the hotel is connected to the field. Um, my apartment was right across from the stadium when I was with them, and the weather is beautiful. I think that the, the organization itself does a great job of getting their fans in the giving their fans some in-game entertainment, making that fan experience amazing. And Pittsburgh, the view from Pittsburgh is awesome. Like and and uh, I feel like when you see those bridges in the background, it's just it's calming. It's a beautiful place to watch a game. Yeah, no, I think um, they get voted like the top stadium almost every year, or one of them. Yeah, I, love, I, I like Coors. I like Colorado a lot too. Colorado is a great city. And then when you're not working, what do you, what do you like to do? Hanging with my kids, <laughs> just hanging with my boy, just making them laugh. 
right now he he really likes to get tickled right now. So I'm just tickling my son. He'll run up to me like, "Daddy, tickle! <laughs> Daddy, tickle me!" Like, all right. <laughs> you, you want him to play but, baseball? Yeah, I'd love for him to play baseball. I'd love for him to be right-handed. Keeps throwing the ball left-handed. There's nothing wrong with that, but you don't see very many left-handed shortstops or catchers and fielders for the most part except first base. It's a little limiting being a lefty in baseball. Yeah, I guess so. I never really thought about it besides because I always see, I always just think about like left-handed pitchers. Mm. And yeah. last one, who would you want to do a jersey exchange with? I'd want to do a jersey exchange with Trout. Yeah. Is yeah. that is that what you're asking? Like, which, yeah, yeah, which yeah. Major League Baseball player would I do? So yeah. Trout, a funny story, back in 2010, before I got called up, before Mikey was called up, we were roommates for Team USA. And usually on most teams I've been on, I've been on one of the more athletic guys. But for the first time at 23 years old, I was roommates with this dude who was younger than everybody else, faster than everybody else, and stronger than everybody else. And I was just in awe of his athleticism. I was, and he was, he was so cool, calm, and collected. He seemed pretty worry-free and just balled out. Uh, to be able to have a jersey exchange with him would be a nice little uh, – that, that'd be fun just to, because he's turned out to be such an incredible player since – we were roommates uh, and, and you know, having his jersey would be, be amazing and it'd bring everything to a full circle for me. Yeah, that was an awesome story. Mm. Well, he couldn't even go out with us. He was too, he was too young to go out with us. Well, he, <laughs> in, in Puerto Rico, we were, we were roomies in Puerto Rico. Chris Archer was on that team. Who, who else was on that team? It was a dude. Uh, I, I guess I, I can't think anybody else he's still playing that was on that team but yeah Trout was on that team and Chris Archer was on that team with us and now I see Chris here he and I train together this off season he's he's working out of the LA area I just saw Chris this morning yeah that's what I was going to ask too are you going to still be I know you're doing the film and stuff are you going to still be involved in baseball like training wise I'll still train from time to time, not as intensely as I did before, but I'm, I'm still with these guys in the gym uh, every now and then. Lately, that's been my my the, the spot where I like to film the most. I like to film the most in the gym right now and mic players up and ask them some questions in between sets. It's kind of cool getting to see the, the work that they put in. Yeah, definitely. Actually, well, now I got one more question. So what's your like dream project to work on like film-wise? My dream project would be able to, uh, gosh, to follow a team for a season. Kind of like what Ooh. they're doing right now. Yeah. There are four teams right now doing a YouTube series. Okay. And I think they're doing a good job. I really like it. I, lo- I love what they're doing, and I'd love to do something like that too and create a series out of a full season with a team. Have you ever watched The Last Chance You on Netflix? Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that would be crazy for a whole season with the MLB team. Mm-hmm. That would be, I don't know how many episodes it would be. It would have to be a lot. <laughs> yeah, probably would. Huh? It'd be a lot of episodes, but it's, they're doing one once a week. Like the Braves are dropping once a week. But if it's if it's what you're collecting content of on a daily basis and you don't have to play, then you have a lot more time to do something like that. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah I, know sure. I could release a couple episodes a week, but I have to space it out. Yeah. I just try to drop one video a week nowadays. 
but yeah, that would, to answer your question though, that would be, that would be my dream. Well, I appreciate you coming on. And, uh, could you let the listeners know where they could follow you at? Oh yeah. Just follow my accounts. You got Chase Darno, just my first and last name. Also follow the journeyman series. Uh, it's just showing what baseball is like behind the scenes from a player's point of view. I know nowadays there's not much storyline content created by players, but everything from start to finish um, happens uh, through me and, and guys that I work with that play the game as well. So, uh, yeah, Journeyman Series and Chase Darno are, are my social accounts. All right, again, I appreciate you coming on. Dude, thanks for having me, man. appreciate it.